Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our Watch Club for Marvel's What If. You won't be needing those heels anymore. Welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and I'll be your guide through these alternate realities in this Watch Club for What If, Episode 1, titled, What If Captain Carter Were the First Avenger? If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, well, you have to wonder, what if you did? and then came right back to join us for some interdimensional conversation. Now, this Watch Club is a little different than our previous Watch Clubs, uh, and that's mostly because this show is a little bit different than any of the shows we've covered in our previous Watch Clubs. Due to the anthology style of this storytelling in this series, um, really, we're going to be kind of just treating this as more of a review. Uh, it'll be one brief intro of the plot, we'll discuss our thoughts, and maybe we'll answer a few questions along the way. Now, before we take the jump into our own version of a super soldier machine, let me introduce you to all the lovely versions of hosts joining us today. First up, he's Justin. Hey! But what if he was slightly louder, just a little more huggable, he'd be Kevin Hudson. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> and, and, and listen, sure, sure, he's Kevin Hudson, but what if he was slightly shorter, significantly higher and had a l much longer hair he'd be darcy hudson <laughs> <laughs> pretty appropriate i think <laughs> i think so i think yeah. so how's everyone doing tonight good yeah good i'm excited to get into spoiler yeah. territory with oh this. finally we did finally. our we did our, our preview for this watch club and now we're yeah. getting into the spoilers and i'm so happy to be joined by Darcy, this time around, our resident Marvel expert. <laughs> well, before we all hop in our metal suits to help the resistance, let's get into the intro for this episode. Earth, 1943. The Nazi army marches across Europe, leaving death and destruction. The Allied armies band together to create a new kind of soldier, a super soldier. At humanity's darkest hour, a skinny kid from Brooklyn became Captain America. After turning the tide of World War II, he made the ultimate sacrifice, restoring peace and saving this universe. But in another universe, a single choice created a whole new hero. And that single choice that Margaret Peggy Carter made to stay in the room when she was asked to leave is what resulted in her becoming Captain Carter. So guys, this episode uh, I think was a great way to kick off this premiere. Why don't we start off with our thoughts uh, of the episode itself. Darcy? Uh, overall, I thought it was, like I said, really great way to start off this universe. I'm looking forward to more episodes after uh, seeing this first one. Uh, the animation was great, and uh, again, some of the moments were just as exciting as they would have been if they were like in a movie on the screen, so I thought that was really cool. Yeah, so I, I enjoyed I enjoyed this uh, the first episode. Yeah, it was super cool how they sort of they, they, they spun these characters around in, in fun and creative ways, and I, I think it was really cool. I also thought the action scenes were just outstanding with a lot of the... I mean, we'll, we'll kind of get into that as well, but um, I don't know. I just... I thought I thought it was really cool and, and how they shifted the 
focus onto Peggy while still keeping Steve as an integral part of this story, which I think especially, you know, you're not going to just get rid of Steve Rogers. Um, so I thought that was a really cool decision that they made there. Mm-hmm. When we were talking in our preview episode, this episode felt very abridged. It felt very like, you know, didn't felt, feel as linear. Um, and it just kind of felt like we were reliving moments uh, from Captain America. But after talking with you guys in that preview show, I, I kind of like thought about it, watched it again. And like, it's it's very true. This is the best way to introduce the audience yeah. to this idea because you are building it around those you know, memorable moments for Captain America, it's now Captain Carter. So it's it's a really interesting way to see Peggy walk through the same footsteps as 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 Steve to a certain degree uh, in, in some of the situations. So I, I think as, as a primer, as an intro, it actually, yeah, it does do a good job. What I liked the most about it is that the two characters of Peggy and Steve stay the same. It just shows, yeah. you know, that's, that rings true with the Captain America character in that it's all about the person inside based on who they are as a person and and Peggy we saw in the in the in the first Captain America movie that she's a terrific person and and I just love that their relationship doesn't change because he's no longer Captain America and she is I just thought yeah their their love story is one of the best that Marvel's ever done I think and so that I really enjoyed seeing it kind of stay the same even though their roles are sort of reversed and if we're talking about like the the way that they sort of kept the characters the same, but still at like I think added to them as well is with Howard Stark. I just thought it was super cool to have Howard Stark there as almost like this sort of third wheel, if you will. He was kind of the you know the the additional add on friend uh, for for the this group uh, even more than than Bucky. Uh, and I really really liked how that kind of came about, and that he really got to continue on with the adventure. He's integral to mm-hmm. their story. Yes, and especially with the way that they added in, I think, with Steve Rogers and his character as the, like, with the Hydra Stomper. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. sick. Yeah. That was, yeah. that was mm-hmm. awesome. And it was really cool just to sort of see them be able to utilize the Tesseract in that way because that is really how it's, you know, ultimately used, right, in, in that Well, yeah, sense. That's, so, that's what the, the arc reactor that he makes in the first one was based off of the incomplete science that came from the Tesseract, but we don't right. learn that until Iron Man 2. So mm-hmm. in Iron Man 1, he is building it off of an arc reactor that is inspired by the Tesseract. Here, he has the Tesseract, so he's able to actually achieve it. So, you know, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty insane to see what Howard Stark was able to do with the Infinity Stone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we see so many awesome... I think action moments with the uh, with the Hydra Stomper, but I wanted to kind of talk, bring it back to Peggy a little bit. You know, there's there's this awesome montage sequence seeing Peggy go to war, which was clearly you know you know to pay homage to the sort of um, war bonds tour that we see Steve go on in in the first Captain America movie. Um, but her fighting style is so different in these moments. What did you think of of her fighting style? Like how did uh, how did you react to it and and uh, and and how how it was so different to Steve's? She is vicious. She is utterly vicious and ruthless. Like Steve almost had this sort of whatever it takes to, to, to get the mission done. Whereas Peggy almost seems to be uh, basking in the opportunity to, (laughs) to kick these guys butts. You know what I mean? And and maybe it's because you see the sort of, even after becoming, you know, uh, the super soldier, she was, they they still, the men around her still didn't believe in her as much as they probably should have. And so when she finally got to go out onto that battlefield, it wasn't, 
just to to win the war. It was to you know win the war against patriarchy as well. So yeah, yeah she's it was to prove something. Mm-hmm. It was to prove something for sure. It one hundred percent was her. Yeah, her everything felt very intentional. But yeah, the action scenes were were fantastic. I was actually very impressed with the the level of animation that went into it. You know, at times it was very fast, and then it would slow down, and it would speed back up, and just like the the way the camera put itself in the action as well. Like it was so cinematic, and in many ways this was better than some live action fighting sequences I've seen. What I thought was really cool or like uh, the animation style seems to really lend it to itself to is the over-exaggeration of some of Peggy Carter's strikes. Like she's kicking these guys like 20 yards where he's kicking them, you know, <laughs> yeah. half that much. So I just, yeah. I think the animation really drives home. It's like she was really just like letting loose and going all out. And I thought that was really cool. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing where the animation uh, will go with these later episodes. Like it's, that's the main thing I got mm-hmm. excited from this episode was just how exciting they managed to make this, these quick scenes feel. And like, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what other scenes we're going to see in these different universes. Absolutely. And, and, and to Kevin, like to your point with, with her aggression, right? Like you can, you can tell like there's, yeah, there's a lot of these guys, especially uh, I think uh, what's his name? The, the Colonel, uh, that she she's with Colonel Oh Bradley Flynn. Whitford's character. Yeah. I just I I remember it was Bradley Whitford, and that's all I wrote down. <laughs> yeah, Colonel Flynn uh, was you know co- constantly just like I you know a girl, and he was so like misogynistic all the way throughout. Even after she, she's clearly super powered, um, and so yeah, you could see it, and especially in the training montage sequence when she's like she's talking to Steve at the beginning, and she's tossing these weights, like embedding them into the wall, <laughs> and she's like, I wish I could do that with uh, with Hitler's head, and I was just like, let's go, Peggy Carter, like that is awesome. Yeah, the, I mean, that's the one thing I kind of had a problem with throughout this whole episode, uh, just talking about Colonel Flynn, just his lines just seemed so corny i know it's meant from the time it just it felt very odd it, i don't know i didn't like that way it was like delivered between yeah. everything else and delivery yes yeah and i just think like bradley whitford is so good at playing a smarmy scumbag if he wants to that i don't think you the the dialogue needed to be as obvious as it was yeah. like he could have alluded to not believing in her because she was a woman without outright saying, well, she's a girl and we don't allow girls. Like that part yeah. did come off a bit cheesy and forced. I think yeah. I don't even know so much cheesy as unintelligent. I think is yes. maybe yeah. what you're driving yeah, at, right? Sure. Like, but I did like at the ending what they did with him. Oh, yes, Mr. President. Uh, I always said she's a real knockout. And like, <laughs> yeah. And like yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, that was my idea. I told Stark about the Hydra Stomper. Like that was, I don't know. I, I thought that was a fun change. That around. was a good resolution that, to yeah. that character yes. for yes. sure. Yeah. I think um, in regards to the sort of veracity and, and the sort of intensity of Peggy Carter, I think the, the one thing that both Peggy and Steve had both in their stories uh, as Captain America or Captain Carter is that they had something to prove. And for Steve, it was being the scrawny kid that that nobody thought anything of, and he just wanted to fight for his country. In the same sort of vein, looking at someone like Peggy Carter, who is a woman living in the 1940s, who's being told, you know, you can't be a soldier. You're not a soldier. You're a woman. Uh, and these constant misogynistic references, it gave her ammo for her own story and what she needed to prove. And I think that's where a lot of that intensity comes from, is this desire to want to prove something. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's just great that they found a parallel between Captain Carter and Captain America that makes sense, that really does align these two characters to have similar motives, but a different path. And I do think, like again, to your point about keeping the 
the characters very much again who they are uh steve was just to see him sort of just be like yeah no this was the this was the right thing to happen was was really cool i think it really spoke to his character and just the idea of like be okay completely with not being captain america and and really being there for his friend and and well woman he loves i guess (laughs) I mean, I, one the one scene where they're in the bar, it, it almost seems like he was upset. But I don't think he was upset that she became the super soldier. I think he just, he's upset that he missed his chance to fight. And that's why I thought it was really cool that he ended up getting that chance through the yes. through Howard creating the Hydra Stomper and all that stuff. So if anything, he wasn't jealous or upset or angry with, with Peggy. He was just, he wanted to fight. And so, yeah, it was really cool seeing him get that chance in another route. Well, we keep talking about wanting to fight, and I just want to talk about those fights. Were there any excellent action moments that just fully stood out for you like I'll, I'll kick it off i just this the moment when that truck hits the shield and it's the first one and she just and like lifts it over her head like that to me when yeah, we're talking about motion. elevation and cinematic like this is that is a that is that is the kind of thing that i want as a poster on my wall is that lifted over her head with the shield like it just was such a wonderful moment and it's the kind of thing that like you know that would be i mean it is in the trailer for this series but i'm just saying like if this was a live action peggy you know captain carter movie that's going to be the thing that's putting the butts in seats and so that was just so exciting to see realized uh, i really like the the montage just how the, the fast flashes of action we got through there like i think that's when we got her like the the jump through the night where she slowly spins and comes back down like there's so many cool little moments in that montage that i i want to go back and watch it again and again because it's again seeing those things that we saw cap do but with a slightly different spin on it having captain carter lead the way and stuff like that so i i rate the montage is probably the highlight for me from this episode and i I also thought the music during that montage as well Uh, you hear the cymbals crashing when she's punching the guys and punching them out of the airplanes yeah it was straight up like hammy 1940s like you know propaganda piece and i loved it it was awesome so well done i liked her flying around with uh the hydra stomper in the sky yeah, and then she was, yeah and she was destroying taking out those, those planes, planes is pretty oh, cool yeah. yeah it was awesome it, it reminded me of that scene in uh, winter soldier where cap uh is leaving the shield uh facility and he gets stopped by the quinjet and he basically off from his bike leaps onto the quinjet takes down the plane and then jumps off it, it was it was really great and, and if it, it just reminded me just how much you know both our characters are very confident they they they're decisive they know what they're doing and they get the job done right peggy seems to be a lot more daring with the shield too like like yeah steve uses block bullets stuff like that but she's jumped throwing herself into the, like a plane engine basically <laughs> yeah. several times just be like get the shield to save me i thought yeah. that was really that was really cool like, again she's uh, i get more ruthless than steve and again that scene really through uh too and she's pulling guys out and just like letting them fall off the back of the plane that guy mm. has no parachute. He's just plumbing to his death. He's dead. Yeah. Yeah, her, yeah. Her body count is a lot higher than Steve's, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like even just like you said with the shield, I mean, she's not just using it, though, as a shield, and she's not using it necessarily to, dis- to disarm. She's using it to, like, dismember if, if you mm-hmm. know. Like that, the one scene in the cockpit of the plane, and she's bashing those guys in. Like, that is some violent stuff, but it was, it, it, it was, it was awesome. It was liberating to watch. Yes, and I, I think that's exactly the theme that they're kind of going for, right? Liberating. Um, I also, you know, there's so many references to chew on it. And listen, I know there's the new rock stars of the world that probably already have all the, every, here's the 90 million things you, you missed in the episode. I don't care about that. I mean, I do. I'm probably going to, you know, <laughs> I still got to watch it. But I want to know, 
What was your favorite reference from this episode? I already said mine, which again was the montage. That was the the, the yeah. her busting through the doors with the Holland commanders at her side, just like Cap did. Was this like I'm like, oh, this is this is real for me now. She is Captain Carter. She's fighting the war, and it's a completely different style, and I, I loved it. So that was again my favorite recreation for sure. Yeah, the the montage sequence felt very reminiscent of the movie, but there was also like scenes that were very much visual callbacks to the Captain America movie, such as when Red Skull shows up in his hydromobile, if you will, and you have right. and the camera pulls in on that hood ornament of the Hydra logo. The very Cruella Deville, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So and and uh, you know her busting through the doors with the gun, uh, you know her punching the punching bags and, and you know destroying them, all very reminiscent of. The moments that we would have seen Steve lived in the MCU, we're now seeing Peggy Carter living those moments. And I think that's, again, how it creates that sense of like, it's a visual cue that reminds you where in the MCU it comes from. And yet it's just replacing the character and it's giving new context to it. So I think that it was really smart for them to use Captain America as this story to help introduce this idea of multiverse and alternate stories and so on. Uh, And I think for me, I think the one sort of throwback to the movie was completely different in this new universe. And it was the significance of the, the scene on the train. But, you know, there, there are so many differences in this universe by this point than there were in the movie, m- mainly that the good guys are in control of the Tesseract. And so yeah. the train ends up being a trap. And instead of losing Bucky, right, it's all a trap to try and capture Steve in the Hydra Stomper and to, to regain control of the, the Tesseract. And so I lo- that's where it really felt like the story veers off from the source material i thought so i enjoyed that sort of spin on that Mm -hmm. and that plays right into my favorite reference from the entire episode which has to be when bucky almost falls off the train and (laughs) she grabs him and he's like thanks but you almost ripped my arm off i was like "Ah." yeah right like it was great how they played on that scene and then changed everything we thought we knew was going to happen there yeah i freaking loved it all right well listen we're getting near the end of this watch club uh and so i want to kind of talk a little bit but the end of the episode um you know let's dive into it that moment that scene where she's fighting that tentacle monster and she gets the sword which i was like shield and sword like come on it's so phenomenal it was Mm -hmm. so good and okay let's get into it i mean come on can anyone tell me what was it that the Red Skull summoned? What is that thing? What are the tentacles that are coming out? Come on, I know one of us has the answer. If not, well, I do. It's just an I interdimensional mean, space being, isn't it? I mean, no, no. I think. I mean, Marvel more than has that. their Marvel has their own, you know, Elder God universe. Basically, that's where you know, the God Carnage prays to in the comics that the store has at one point trying to, you know, uh, gain favor from is a, a you know elder beast being from another dimension so i thought it was something along those lines seeing the tentacles just immediately made me think uh lovecraft so that's probably why i went that way so i don't know i'm disappointed and oh, maybe no, Nate's got darcy, the answer. is it was it darcy, is it you might, is that who we saw you might slam me down in this uh this this you know geek wrestling ring that we're in right now but i'm about to inform you fools that that freaking thing was a flurkin that was absolutely for for you know for a brief second I thought it could have been maybe the monsters you know that monster from Guardians of the Galaxy that they yeah, fight in Galaxy yeah, Guardians Galaxy yeah, Two yeah. I thought it could have yeah. been that dude I'm telling you it was a flurkin I went on I went on to the Marvelpedias 
The Flurkin, and I quote, are alien creatures resembling Earth cats in appearance and behavior. They reproduce by laying up to 117 eggs, which is crazy, uh, and possess many tentacles that can extend from their mouths. Their bodies also hold pocket realities, bubbles of space and time that exist in other worlds. You cannot tell me that was not a flurkin, guys. Come on. <laughs> I, I mean... That that I did not know about the pocket reality thing inside it. That also implies that she was eaten by it, and then yes. only came out at the end, which I don't understand because it seemed like she was <laughs> fighting the tentacles that are outside and right. pushing that back in. So I I thought it was you know an interdimensional thing. Considering when she came out, it was very much like Cap waking up, not knowing how much time had passed. Like mm. she was stuck in a, like a, a state of limbo where time stood still, and she thinks the war was happening yesterday still. So that's kind of where I. Went from oh, when she ends up on the route. other end of the portal when yeah. she comes out, yes. yeah, when she comes out, mm. right? Because, it, but I mean, bubbles of space and time. Don't don't yeah. forget the and time yes. part. So, so that could very well work because you know it, we get to that universe, we see Clint, and he's like, "That's Captain Carter." Like he knows who yeah. Captain Carter is, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, well, man, I, I've solved it. Nate Fisto strikes again. A lot of that lines up, so I'm not going to argue with that. I yeah, no, it's good. That's good. I mean, where I'm going to have to flirt the interdimensional thing. Yeah. Yes, yes. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm also really interested, you know, as we're talking about this, you know, you know, where she's ending up on the other side of this interdimensional portal, because um, it looks very much like. Uh, uh, the underground shield area where they were working on the Tesseract in the Avengers where, you know, Loki would appear. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what that is. And I'm wondering if this is implying that they've opened a door to another timeline that we could see revisited somewhere in this season or who knows, season two. That was the guy, That's probably going to be my favorite thing about this series going forward is the speculations of what comes next, because this was a very cliffhanger ending and I can only see them continuing to do that with these short form episodes. The questions I had afterwards, like shield has had a test rack for 70 years now. Yeah. So they've got to have, they, they must understand it more so than any other you know, reality that we've seen so far because they've had it for so long and we're studying it with Howard Stark and it's presumably Tony at this point as well. Mm. Uh, that's the main thing I'm wondering is like how powerful is S.H.I.E.L.D. now? And also because they stopped Hydra so early on and including the, you know, Arnim Zola character, are we, does Hydra exist at all? Is S.H.I.E.L.D. just good through and through now? Like there are so many questions mm. that were raised by this one episode and I loved it. That was my, probably my favorite, one of my favorite parts. And without, you know, the creation of Bucky as the Winter Soldier, does that mean Howard Stark doesn't die? Does that, like, does he look more into Iron Man technology before even Tony has the chance to sort of do that? Does, does Stark Industries not go into weapons in this reality? Does, you know, there's so many questions that could, that could be we- arised by, based on where they are. Well, and you know that Steve probably would never start stop looking for her. So her, him and Howard probably were working together for a very long time, trying to find out how to operate this Tesseract, this object they don't know anything about. I, again, that's the main thing is like there's so much potential for more storytelling in this universe. And I think that's what they've done really well here is that it's siloed as an episode where it's singular in its focus of Captain Carter. Yet it opens the door so that episode eight could suddenly see something from this universe. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, right? So this episode specifically seems to open a huge door to a lot of the questions that you guys are, are asking about where, what's the state of 
our characters in this universe, right? So very interesting stuff that mm-hmm. to come from that. No, yeah, and I'm 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 really excited to just kind of keep continuing to talk about these this series. I can't wait. Uh, but before we wrap up, we still got to give our overall thoughts and final score for this episode, which we'll be rating it on a scale of and yes, I guess correctly, 1 to 5 Flurkin tentacles. Uh, so <laughs> Justin, let's start with yourself. Yeah, I think I I'm going to give this a 3.8 out of 5 Flurkin tentacles. Um and, and I think the reason why again, if this show is its own standalone if this episode is its own standalone story, then it's good. But if this episode has helped to open, again, a door to another part of the multiverse that we can explore at other stories, then this episode did an amazing job setting that up. And I think the score is kind of boosted because, again, you know, coming around after our preview show and rewatching this episode, uh, I do think that this was a smart way for them to introduce the audience to this idea of multiverse um, effectively by grounding it in in very smart visual references from uh, Captain America's uh, stories, but with Captain Carter and really creating that sense of alignment with those two stories but also again as we were discussing the twists the difference the the things that didn't go the way they would have gone in in that MCU story they've gone differently here so you know all that to say you know if this is what the the rest of the season is going to kind of entail then we're in for a ride for sure right um so yeah as a as a kickstarter 3.8 out of 5 sounds good kevin uh yeah right off the bat i mean uh, Captain America, the first Avenger is still one of my absolute favorite MCU movies. And again, we've said it a lot. I just think it was the perfect way to sort of tease just how wild and crazy and out there. Some of these alternate universes, taste, realities. Right? Yeah. It was just a great, mm-hmm. easy to, to digest, easy to sort of, uh, you know, acclimatize ourselves to yeah. this new universe. It was, it was a great way to start off uh, this new adventure. Uh, I think the dialogue, at times in the episode was just a bit hokey for me, which sort of lowers the score just a bit. Uh, and so, yeah, I, it, it, this show relieved me of any anxiety I had towards how much I was going to dive into the show. But as Justin said, my only apprehension now is I think my score might change later on down the road based on how much this single episode and how much this show ends up playing a role in our bigger MCU but that's part of the fun. We get to wait and see just how that's going to happen. So I'm very, very excited going forward. I actually have the exact same score. I'm going to go with a 3.8 Flurkin Tentacles out of five. <laughs> oh. Absolutely. Yeah, the episode was definitely a moose bouche, if you will. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Chef's kiss. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, speaking of a chef's kiss, uh, Darcy, what was your, uh, your overall? Oh, that segue just confused me. I, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I again, I said at the top of the episode, I said I really liked it. Again, it got me really excited because one of my favorite things to do with the MCU in general is just to speculate all these theories. And with such a, a big change in how many things were affected by that single step off the branch uh, the, or the main timeline, uh, I'm really excited. Look, going forward to the series because if, if more episodes are just going to lead me to do this, I'm I'm all excited for it. So definitely strong. I'm agreeing with Kevin, though. The dialogue was kind of hokey, and mainly Bradley Whitford, and sometimes Bucky as well. It was a bit too hammed up, and that uh, yeah. that's going to knock it down a bit for me. But I'm going to probably go and uh, give it a four to five Flurkin Tentacles. Again, it got me really excited to see where, where what other universes we're going to explore. And with the rumors that uh, Peggy Carter or Captain Carter will be seen again in, in possibly Doctor Strange 
or in a later season, as I've seen some of the directors talking about uh, how she might be another focus we'll see. So I'm, I'm excited to see if some of these theories I have may actually get answered in some form. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, like she, she traveled through interdimensional time and space. So mm-hmm. who's to say that that can't happen again or what, you know, we watching Loki, like how does that affect things? And oh, it's, it's going to be awesome. But uh, for me, yeah, like what it was an incredible way to kick off the series. You know, if they're going to if they're going to take these series that we know and love and just, you know, press the shuffle button. um, I'm really happy with the way this one turned out and just to see what if. Right. And to see what would happen there. So um, I thought it was really well done. I, I like also how it brought up the issues of inequality with Peggy and. Seeing her get, you know, that liberation, the respect she deserves yeah. um, when she's pumped full of super ser- soldier serum. And uh, and I also loved how, in a, in a way, and we kind of just touched upon the ending, it doesn't really end with our lead character in the best place, at least for her, right? And so it kind of shows, uh, it, for the most part, like this series might not always have a, a happy ending as a result of the decisions made by these characters. And that only plays into my love of Twilight Zone, both the original Twilight Zone series and the newer Twilight Zone series, which you sh- everyone should check out as well. It's really good. But with that said, I agree with some of the comments made about the dialogue and how it is a little bit cheesy. Um, and I did think that the story, while it was a good choice, obviously it was a little more conventional. And I'm just... I'm here for the craziness. Give me the yeah. craziness. Uh, so I'm going to give this episode four out of five correctly guessed Flurkin tentacles. Uh, it's a safe for uh, <laughs> it's a little safe for good reason, uh, but I can't wait to see how crazy it gets going forward. So that is it for this first episode of our Watch Club for Marvel's What If. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Watch Club, and if you did. Well, be sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And you might be pondering the question, what if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club? Well, I throw that question over to our resident timekeeper, Justin. They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering our latest content released on Disney Plus with our ongoing, uh, you know, watch club for Star Wars The Bad Batch, uh, where we are just really enjoying that show and we're coming up to the finale. I can't Mm -hmm. wait. It's going to be so good. We also have our spoiler free review for Disney's Jungle Cruise. And while it's not Disney, uh, but it is comic book related, you might also enjoy our both spoiler free and spoiler filled review for James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, uh, where uh, where we give our thoughts on that movie uh, and how much we enjoyed it as the one of the probably the biggest summer blockbuster of the year. So go give those a listen. Leave a five star review if you don't mind. Justin, Darcy and Kevin. Thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And even though we do not, cannot, and will not interfere, we are The The Watchers. Watchers.